Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Every part of the Bible is powerful relevant and useful every part so that's why today we're doing a bible study it's studying the word of god because this tells me how to live on this world in this world and how to get to heaven and how to be useful to my neighbors and friends and loved ones who need god's mercy and his grace have you ever been tempted to leave out portions of scripture when applying it to your life Today, Pastor Mark will warn listeners against selective scripture reading. He will speak on the value of the entire Word of God and its importance to every person's life. The Bible holds answers to all of life's questions, how to get to heaven, how to deal with conflict, how to have a healthy marriage, and how to experience true joy are just a few things the Holy Scripture gives guidance on. Like a parent corrects their child, so the Word of God will better you as a Christ follower. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew with his continuing study entitled, The Threat to the Church from the Inside. The threat to the church from the inside. As spiritual leadership goes, so goes the home, the church, the nation, and the world. You see, the greatest threat to Christianity does not come from the outside. The greatest threat to the home doesn't come from the outside. It comes from the inside. Specifically from ungodly parents, pastors, elders, leaders, and just understanding that principle, Jesus would speak to the Jewish leadership, which had really failed to be those people of influence in a positive way. They actually led people away from God rather than to God. Well, Jesus was trying to teach that leadership should always be the same. There is a standard. The standard, of course, is the Word of God. Jesus begins speaking to the leadership with a word that, well, we don't use, woe. He give eight woes to these people. A woe is simply, well, it's a word that has wrath, lots of correction with it, and also included in that is sorrow. You see, Jesus showed righteous anger, but it came from a heart of love. He wished he didn't have to stand be before these stubborn and blind Jewish leaders and say what he had to do, but he had to do it. 
Because they were making an impression on the people that was a wrong impression. We begin in verse 23, chapter 23. Here's the fifth woe. Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Now, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. God gave the nation of Israel guidelines and laws when he formed them as a nation. You see, how would you do life today if there were no rules, if there were no guidelines, if there was nothing for you to know what to do? My wife, when I came to the Breast Cancer Awareness uh, seminar on Saturday morning, I opened it. And, and of course, you know, my background is medical. My wife's a nurse. Our son works with uh, uh, open heart patients and my daughter's an ultrasound person. So we're kind of into the medical deal. And she came home after the thing and she said, it was just incredible. The doctors had all this great information and whatever. And of course, two of them are born again Christians. And it was really neat to just see their perspective. And, and they learned so much. Well, if you were born in this world and you didn't know anything about God, and you didn't know anything about the world, how would you know how to be a parent? How would you know who to pick to be, be first to be married even before that? How would you know what to do at a job? You wouldn't know anything. So God, early on, the Old Testament, gave his take on life. Here's how you do it. Well, part of that take was something called giving. God knew that giving, since he was a giving God, should be a big part of what a person who calls himself a follower of Christ does. So notice that word tithing comes out in this this tenth of the spices, mint, dill, and cumin. Tithing was an essential part of the Jewish religious regulations. It was 10% off the top. Now, in the Old Testament days... They, they, these people didn't work for Harris, they didn't work for the hospital, they didn't work for IBM. Most of them, well, they, they made their living by farming. So notice Deuteronomy 14. Be sure to set aside a tenth, a tithe, of all your fields produce each year. So right off the top, people were told by God to support the church, the synagogues, the temples, the priests, the Levites... You give 10% of your field's produce to God. Look at Leviticus 27.30. A tithe or a tenth of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So the scribes and the Pharisees, they understood that. In their day, they decided to make it legalistic. They took it one step further. Well, maybe they had fruit trees, maybe they had fields, but most of them had little, well, little herb gardens. And so they began meticulously counting every little seed, every little mint leaf, and they begin to tie that. They became legalistic. They, they missed the whole principle of giving. And as they did that, they began to do something we're familiar with. They begin to major in minors. They missed 
the overall understanding of living for God, serving him, and they miss mercy and justice and righteousness. Because of that, Jesus makes a statement, Vieira, look at verse 24, you blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Remember, a guide was a person of influence, one who would set the pace for others to follow. Jesus said, you're blind guides. You've lost it. You've missed it totally. It was a misunderstanding of Scripture. Let me give you an illustration how this would work. Let's say you're a dad and you know that God said give a tenth to him. So you get your kids with you and you say, kids, let's sit down and count out our tithe in seeds to give it to the Lord. Well, there's the mint. So you take your mint that you grew and one for God and nine for me and one for God and nine for me. And that's not too bad. And then you go to the little, well, there's the dill. That's not too bad. But how about below the cumin seeds? How many think your kids would lose it before you finish the tithe? I mean, you got to be kidding me. See, they became so legalistic in this. And the kids go, God, just give God everything. Forget it. Well, one of the kids would say to dad, dad, while we're doing this, this is going to take a long time. Would you like something to drink? Dad said, sure. And he said, before you give me a drink, bring me that piece of cheesecloth that we keep in the kitchen, because I want to make sure that when I drink something, I strain out anything that could fall in my drink. See, in the Jewish, we'll talk about this in a moment, being clean was very important. A gnat was an unclean animal. I don't care if it's a clean animal. I ain't drinking that sucker. A camel was an unclean animal. So notice what Jesus said. You strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. See, now, if right outside your door in Jerusalem there was a camel, this would be a vivid picture to you. Dad's very concerned about the little. He's become legalistic, but the overall understanding of Scripture, he's, he just swallows a camel. So what is God trying to say? What in the world was Jesus trying to do? Well, this was a picture of what happened when we take religion too far. It became harsh and legalistic. And the Pharisees were simply hypocrites. They would worry about all the little details, straining out of that, counting exactly the last little seed of their spice, but they missed the big picture of love and mercy and righteousness. You see, this is a picture of religion that has become legalistic, but they missed the whole principles of living. It was a misunderstanding of the whole balance of Scripture. When I read that, those two verses again, it reminded me of a book we studied in the Old Testament. It's Micah chapter 6, verse 8. This is a beautiful picture of the overall understanding of Scripture, how we're to live. God doesn't leave us clueless. How do you live today with your kids, in your business, with your neighbors, and the world? What do we do? How does it work? What does it look like? Well, here, let's look at it. Micah 6, 8. Oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good and what it is or this is that he requires of you. Notice he requires it of us. It's 
to do what is right. Number two, to love mercy. And number three, simply to walk humbly with our God. Well, I can look at that today very easily and say, how am I doing? If I'm a parent, I'm a person of influence. If I'm a leader, I'm a person of influence. If I'm an elder, a small group leader, a pastor, whatever. If you're a boss, you're a person of influence. If you're a Christ follower, you're a person of influence. How are you doing with that? Let's, let's break this down for a moment. First of all, if I'm, if I'm absolutely a, I want to please God, the first thing that Jesus, or the Old Testament says, Jesus would repeat this through the New Testament in many ways, I'm to do what is right. Well, how do I know what is right? You know, today, people don't believe there's a right and a wrong. It's whatever you call right, whatever you call wrong. No, that's wrong. This tells us what is right. Understand a principle I'm going to tell you. If everybody lived in our world as Christians, there would be no need for lawyers. Am I right? Because we'd always do what? We'd do the right thing. Well, now we don't want to do the right thing because it's going to cost me. Or I'm going to have to give up my rights. No, we're going to simply do the right thing. So the first thing is, the Bible tells us what the right thing is. Ask yourself this week, did you do, Vera? Did you do the right thing? It's not like a wish list. God requires this. Well, look at number two. To love mercy. You see, love mercy is not getting what I deserve. It's treating others like I want to be treated. Wow. You mean I should be merciful? Sure, why? Because I've received mercy. And number three, this sums it up. To walk, which means it's a lifestyle, humbly, humbly with your God. Personal God. I know that I can't do right unless I walk with God. I know that he enables me to walk with him. See, rules won't do that. But a love for God will. So this verse, the Pharisees knew, but they didn't live. They're counting the little seeds. And they've missed the overall principle. They just missed it. Jesus took 613 laws in the Old Testament, and he summarized them into two. Do you remember? Let's see if we can practice them. Ready? Ready? We're to one, love God. And number two, we're to what? Love others. Well, if you look at that verse, do what is right. Others. Love mercy. Others. And walk humbly with our God. You see, it fits. It's not complicated. It's right there. It's clear for us. So into this passage, you say, well, Pastor Mark, what does that have to do with me today? I don't have a mint garden. I don't have cumin. If I do, I go to the Indian restaurant and enjoy it. What in the world are you talking about? Here's what I want to talk about. The misunderstanding of the Pharisees was this. They missed the overall balance of the teaching of all the Word of God. How can that infect us today wrongly? Here's how. When you judge, and I don't mean this in a harsh way, but when you judge teaching or television programs, or preachers, or books that you read, here's what I find unbalanced quite often today. Many of our books are simply about prosperity. 
And they'll all be about how the Christian should be rich. And if you're not rich, here's something I heard, and I couldn't believe I heard it, because it's a very, very popular program. Here's what I heard from one teacher. Here's what he said. God wants us all to be rich, because if you're not rich, you can't help anybody. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. That sounds good, doesn't it? Is it biblical? Not even close. I.e., the minute he said that, you know what popped into my mind? Acts chapter 3. Peter and John at the gate of the temple. The poor beggar comes up to him and he says, Hey, what kind of money you got for me? Peter goes, Ah, silver and gold have I none? I guess I can't help you. No, what did he say? Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man was healed. Understand that we've taken the gospel and we decided this is what it is. No, it's all of this. Be careful as you're listening that you don't go down these little rabbit trails of people focusing on prosperity. The second thing you'll hear them focus on so much is how a good person you can be. And the whole key for you is to find a parking place for the day. What's up with that? Actually, Americans shouldn't pray for a close parking place. Am I right? Because we don't do what? We don't ever exercise. So it's probably not the will of God that you have a close parking place. And those of you that are back in the back 40 over here today, you can say what? Amen. And so don't gripe as you go over there. I'm not back over here in the lot in Sodom, Gomorrah parking lot back over here. You, you just go over there and go, praise God, I'm getting healthy for Jesus. Amen? All right. <laughs> now, turn with me in your Bibles. Keep your finger right there. Matthew, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Here's how you judge teaching. Here's the pattern for us not to get waylaid with majoring in minors. You know, I was raised with a Pentecostal background. You have to be very careful, the Pentecostal background, that every week you're not talking on Acts 1-8 or being filled with the Spirit or speaking in tongues. You can just be unbalanced in all of that. And so we have to be very careful. So Paul actually tells us how to do it. 2 Timothy, Vera, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Look at what it says. All Scripture is God-breathed, And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the man of God or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Notice first of all, all scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. The Bible is God-breathed. So it's correct. It's inerrant. God can't lie, we learned last week. So when I open this book, this book is a guideline. It is the roadmap for life in every aspect of my life. So when I'm listening to teaching over a period of time, not in a one-week series, but over in a period of time, if you're attending a church or you're reading books or whatever, over a period of time, you should always see these four things being mentioned in the Scripture as you go through the Scripture. What are the four things? Well, 
Understand this. First thing you want to write today is every part of the Bible is powerful, relevant, and useful. Every part. So that's why today we're doing a Bible study. It's studying the Word of God. Because this tells me how to live on this world, in this world, and how to get to heaven, and how to be useful to my neighbors and friends and loved ones who need God's mercy and His grace. Well, notice, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for, number one, teaching. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm teaching. Teaching is simply what is right. Well, what, what did Micah 6, 8 say? Do the right thing. So we're learning what is right today. And you'll see this as we go through. Great principles. Number two, rebuking or reproof. In other words, stop doing that. Some people would say, well, if you use those terms, stop doing that. Or if you use the term sin, people won't come to church. Well, come on. We all need that. When you go to the doctor and there's an area of your life that needs to be adjusted, he's going to give you a little reproof. He's going to say what? Stop doing that. Now, the problem is... If your physician says to you, stop smoking, and then he says, excuse me, five minutes he comes back, comes in the room and you go, where were you? Oh, I had to have my little cigarette. But where were we? Now stop smoking. We laugh at that. That's exactly what was happening with the Jewish people. The leaders were saying, don't do this, and they were doing it. Think about a parent today that says to their children, don't do this, and you're doing it. So there needs to be reproof. There needs to be, as Second Timothy says, rebuking. If you go to a church and you never hear any correction or rebuking, something's wrong. It's unbalanced teaching. Number three, correcting. Not only do we want to do what is right, not only do we want to hear stop doing that, but correction is start doing this. Wouldn't it be great to go to a church and all you hear is don't do that, 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 don't do that. And you say, well, what should I do? I don't know. Just stop doing what you're doing wrong. I have no idea how to do what's right. Well, you'd leave frustrated. So the Bible says, stop doing this, but start doing this. That's the positive of it. And last, instruction. How to stay right. Training in righteousness. We're all training. You see, training in righteousness is not a one-week deal. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of life. Scripture states that God loves a cheerful giver. When you give, do you give with the right or the wrong motive? Today we learn from Pastor Mark that God is much more concerned with the inside of a person than the outside. Throughout the Bible, the heart of a man is emphasized more than anything else. If you've only been concerned with your actions as a Christ follower, understand the Lord is looking at your heart. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
there's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Does God really expect us to follow everything the Bible says? Or has some of its relevance gone away with time? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach listeners to beware those who discredit certain parts of the Bible. A never-changing God did not create a guideline for His people and expect them to pick and choose what they felt was important. The Word of God has been, is, and always will be of utmost importance. We've run out of time for today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurry